Hey everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast. I'm Tony Andracki here with Andy Martinez. And as always, we are sponsored by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs. Andy, let's get right into it. The Cubs, they're five and seven on the season. They just wrapped the series with the Brewers. They faced the three-headed monster from the Milwaukee rotation of Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, and then Corbin Burns, who has been absolutely lights out and phenomenal so far this season. Offense is really where everybody looks first with this Cubs team right now. How do you, What do you make of the first two weeks and how this lineup has produced to this point? I think I'm, uh, I think I'm kind of, uh, you know, everyone was reversed last year, right? Where it was a 60 game sprint and everyone's goes from 162 to 60. I think I'm reversed where I'm like still in the mindset, even though I know it's not a 60 game sprint, I'm still in the mindset where it's like, oh my gosh, I got to get turned around. Cause you know, it's, it's only 60 games, but it's, it's not right. There's over, you know, 145 games or whatever. There's so many games left uh, in the season. So it's, it's way too early to start hitting the panic button on, on anything offensive wise. I was looking at some of the advanced numbers on, on Statcast, and like, just, just there's, there's been moments where I watch where, you know, Anthony Rizzo in the, in the series finale against Milwaukee, he hit a really, really hard grounder. Like it was like 114, 115 miles an hour off the bat. That's just like, all right. Like, you know, if he gets under it a little bit more, that's probably out of the park. And it's a, it's a home run, right? There's just little things like that where, where, you know, if, if the angle's a little bit different, it's a completely different story. So I was looking at some of the numbers, the hard hit percentage um, that the Cubs are doing offensively. League average is 35%. I was looking at the numbers, Anthony Rizzo, 40.6%. David Bodie, 47.4%. Uh, Chris uh, well, Chris Bryant, 48.1%. Ian Hatt, 43.5%. Javi Baez, 47.8%. Uh, barrel percentage, how, how often they're getting the, the, the contact they're making is coming off the sweet spot of the bat, the barrel percentage. League average, 6.4%. Javi Baez, 8.7, Ian Happ, 8.7, Chris Bryant, 14.8. I mean, there's just like the advanced numbers are, are telling a story that, you know, there it's it's almost there, right? And and you kind of expect this in April where it's like, you know, things are going to get, you know, it's it's the your first time you're seeing a lot of these guys, first time you're seeing Corbin Burns, first time you're seeing Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. So you're going to you're going to expect some struggles, especially against dominant guys like that. So I, you know, I I fully expect with with a full complimentary season, you know, come June, July, August the numbers are going to write themselves a little bit better. Yeah, I'm totally with you on uh, you. We were talking earlier before this podcast and you said like, I think it's ingrained in everybody's head that this is such a shortened season. And I mean, I feel that way. I was talking with Cole last week on, on this pod about the same thing. Like it, it does feel a lot like this is a 60 game season. It feels like we are, you know, 20% of the way through the season already, but we're not, it, it is 12 games but there's 150 left. And I, honestly, I think there's a, a little element here too of like with the the historic numbers of where the Cubs offense are at this point, kind of the dubious history that they've turned out to this moment, the Cubs are still five and seven. Like that, there's, there's a lot of silver linings in there. The bullpen has pitched well. The rotation has pitched really well outside of, you know, a couple of tough innings for Zach Davies and Trevor Williams. And and so I think, you know, the defense has been a really strong point and that's something David Ross continues to point to. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's, you know, offensively, they do have to put the ball in play more. That's kind of the big area that Ross keeps coming to. And I think it's totally true, you know, with all of these guys. But you also hit the nail on the head in terms of like hard hit percentage and the guys staying in their same approach. And that's something that Ian had pointed to a couple of days ago is that he feels like he's in the same approach. He feels like he's getting the right process and the, the right results, but not obviously the, the 
the batting average isn't there. The hits aren't falling for him yet. So I, I think that's true for a lot of guys and it'll come, it'll come back. I imagine that they're probably feeling it a little bit too, based off of how last year went. Um, you know, they haven't admitted it, but I think that would be only natural and, and logical for there to be some sort of carryover effect from last year. But yeah, I think once everybody settles in and stuff, this offense can, can kind of get back into order. But Andy, I ask you, like, if you were David Ross, what would you do? How would you try to spark this offense? I don't know if I'd go like drastic change where it's like, all right, Ian Happ, you go from leadoff to, to number eight in the in the batting order. I wouldn't go super drastic, but I think something, you know, subtle, right? Like maybe it's one day, you know, let, let's let Chris Bryant hit leadoff. Let's ha- had, have Anthony Rizzo hit leadoff. Like let's just mix it up just a little bit. And and that's not to say, you know, you know, seven days a week, it's a completely different lineup, but it's like, all right, maybe five or six days a week, it's Ian Happ at the top of the lineup in the normal lineup. But, you know, maybe on that seventh day or that sixth day, Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo lead off something just different. And I think one thing that I've found interesting, like a lot of the things that you expected out of Chris Bryant last season as the leadoff hitter, we're seeing it this year, right? Like he's he in deep in games, he can work counts, but he can also, he's, he's also willing to attack first pitch percentage. I think he was at around 40% uh, first pitch swing percentage. So, you know, just something, something like that, just to, you know, freshen things up, look, make things a little different. Uh, could help and again not to say like every day it should be a completely new lineup and you don't know what to expect I think it's just more like hey let's mix something up every once in a while uh, and see what what kind of happens with it and, and see if that gets guys going a little bit yeah I'm with you on that I think there there can certainly be an element of like you know Sunday uh, softball kind of thing like hey you know go play shortstop or go play whatever position you want hit in whatever position you want and just get back to the roots of little league like having fun going out there and and, you know, um, just hanging out with your friends and, and not worrying about the pressure and the spotlight being on you. I, I don't know how they accomplished that. Like, I'm glad I'm not David Ross and, and don't have to figure this out because I, I think I would probably be doing the exact same thing that he has been doing, you know, last year and into this year, which is running out the same line most of the time, because what, you know, what are you supposed to do? Like luck, bad luck or good luck. It doesn't hold forever. It eventually turns. And I think the Cubs feel very strongly that their luck will turn eventually. And when that happens, you want these guys to be in the right spot. You want Ian Happ leading off. You want, you know, Contreras, Rizzo, Bryant in that kind of order. You want Javi Baez out there every day for his defense and not necessarily give him a mental day off if he's swinging and missing a bit too much or coming out of his shoes like he can do. So I, I think you just, you want to try to to keep things the same as much as possible and instill that confidence and, and just, you know, try to try to keep that all in perspective. Like we were just talking about that. It is a long season and it's so hard to remember that at this point, but yeah, I think that's the main thing from, from David Ross is to do that. And, and if anything, you just shake it up just for fun, just to get guys loose and relaxed and everything else. But to you, Andy, with what you were talking about, with hard hit percentage and all of that, like what is the key for these guys getting back to their form? Because we've seen Javi be an MVP runner up. Chris Bryant has won an MVP. Rizzo has been a perennial all-star and an MVP candidate. Uh, Ian Happ had a breakout season last year. Jock Peterson has had great years on and on down, down the order. How do these guys get back? Is it just a matter of relaxing? I think it's a matter of relaxing. I think it's just like, I think they're just like one game away right like like that like it all all it takes is one domino right like that's I think what it is I think they're just one game away I thought maybe um Jock Peterson's home run 
against the Brewers at Wrigley. I thought maybe that was a spark. Uh, it, it kind of, you know, they had a couple good offensive or a good offensive performance the next game against Pittsburgh, um, but it kind of, it, it wasn't sustained. And I, I think, you know, it, it's not easy when you face, you know, uh, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff and, and Corbin Burns back to back. But I think, you know, they're just one performance away where, you know, it's a, it's an eight to nothing game that they win and, you know, 19 hits or something like that. Like, that's the game that sparks it. I think that's just what it is. We haven't seen it yet. Um, we saw it at times in spring training. I, I think that's all it takes is really is just that one game uh, for, for it to fall. And uh, is it a matter of relaxing? Is it a matter of some good luck? I think it's a little bit of everything right now at this point. You know, there's bad luck and 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 it's just not falling right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I really thought that Peterson Homer off of Devin Williams was going to be something that sparked the team, um, you know, maybe to victory that day, but also just carrying forward. And they did have a lot of good at bats after that, too. And and Ross felt like they, they got on the plane, like you mentioned, to Pittsburgh and, and we're in a good, you know, good vibes and feeling good. And and then they had the good first game. And um, maybe that's where an off day kind of worked against them. I, I don't really know <laughs> specifically, but now they have an off day here and it'll probably work for them with all of the kind of COVID concerns that they have right now and, and just allow everybody to take a step back both physically and mentally, I think at this point. And, you know, we actually, we got a chance to talk in the media to Jed Hoyer, Cubs president of baseball operations. And he kind of provided his assessment about two weeks into the season of what he was seeing from this team. And offense was certainly, you know, one of the hot topics that he brought up. But Hoyer also stressed the need to, to look at this as a small sample size and not overreact to 11 games. So let's take a listen to a couple of things Jed said. I think you kind of have to separate the two things, right? Um, you know, offensively, we've, we've been really struggling. Not exactly a secret. And there's no, I don't think that our offensive struggles have anything to do with um, this COVID list stuff that we've been dealing with. I think that um, this is sort of an added layer of, of complexity to it. Um, so I try to separate the two things that this is um, something that's been an inconvenience and has tested our depth. But offensively, you know, we like that's a different issue and something we have to we have to get better. You know, we have to have better at bats. We have to, to get going. Obviously, you know, we are going to swing the bats better than we have. I think that that sort of goes without saying, but at the same time, you know, there are, um, you know, certainly some, some things that we've struggled with that have, um, that are carryovers from not just last year, but the, the previous years and, you know, some, some contact rate you know, issues and some, some fastball issues that we just simply have to have to address and, and get better at if we're going to, if we're going to compete at the highest level, you know, on the one hand, you know, we've played 11 games and I think you have to sort of, you know, you have to look at that appropriately. Right. Um, you know, that we have, you know, that's 11 games of 162. You can't go crazy. I think that, you know, I always try to look at it. If a guy is a 1500 OPS right now or a 1300 OPS, you know, you, you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt and then you have to take the, the 500 OPS with a grain of salt as well. It's a, it's a long season, but you know, I think that um, we saw our team struggle at the end of last year, uh, you know, uh, offensively, we've seen, we've seen some struggles, you know, going back, you know, going back a few years. And so I think that you have to, um, you can't just wipe everything away as a, as a small sample. And I think that like, trying to, trying to balance that, I think is really important. And, you know, to me, it's, you know, there's a long time before the, the trade deadline. I think that like having that discussion every week is is not a is not worthwhile. You know, there's a lot of a lot of baseball to be played. We shouldn't be talking about trade deadlines. We should be talking about 
you know, what thing we, what things we can do as a front office, what things we can do as a coaching staff um, to get better, right? Like, you know, be productive with it. You know, there, there's, you know, adjustments that can be made. You know, some of these are, are slumps and some of these uh, are probably mechanical adjustments um, and that we need to make. And that's my focus on a day-to-day basis is, you know, who's struggling and what can we do to, to get them better. And I just try to be productive with these, with these struggles as much as we possibly can. You know, we're not blind to it. Um, we don't want to overreact, but we also don't want to ignore them and, and, and just feel like time will, will take care of everything. Yeah, Andy. So we heard from Hoyer there a little bit, and I appreciate the honesty. It reminded me a lot of, of his predecessor, Theo Epstein, and similar kind of discussions, right? Like we have talked about this offense. We've, we've heard about this from the Cubs president of baseball operations over the last few years. And, and I just appreciate what Hoyer is saying that like, yeah, we don't want to overreact, but these are some issues and we're not going to just ignore them and hope that they go away because I think that's, that's the right approach. I I don't know how you would do anything differently, right? Like you can't just pretend that this isn't a thing because it is a thing right now. The Cubs are what their record is and, and it's five and seven and they they expect more out of themselves. So it, what was your thought and takeaway from Jed's uh, media press conference? Yeah, that 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 quote was very, very telling to me. And it's, it's interesting, too, because David Ross has mentioned this, right? The guys are still working. They're still getting their work done in the cage. Um, that's one like this is going to be such a, a kind of a lame uh, comparison. But I think of it like when I'm writing and I have a writer's block, right? Like I'm still like thinking about what I want to say and what I want to do. But I'm, but I'm not necessarily getting it done, right? Like, like I'm, I'm trying to find a way around it, and in a, in a weird quasi kind of way, like it's, it's, it's similar to that, right? Like they're still getting their work done, they're still trying to get hits. It's just not happening right now. And, and, and you know, if you keep doing the work, you know, just given what you've done in your career, what you've done in the past, like it's gonna come. And so that's kind of like that. That's the kind of comparison that I thought of, and that's kind of what you know, the Cubs are hoping is going to happen, right? Like if you keep doing your same drills, you keep doing your same method process that has gotten you to where you're at in your career thus far, like it eventually has to, the results have to come. Yeah. So my takeaway from that, Andy, is you compared yourself to a bunch of big leagues in terms of (laughs) writing and and how that plays out. Uh, No, but I I totally understand what you're saying. I think everybody can relate on on whatever their job or their daily task is. And, And I think that's the Cubs main point here, right? Is they don't want to, they don't want to freak out. They don't want to change everything. As we were talking about, they don't want to suddenly have Rizzo being the everyday leadoff hitter and move Hap down to sixth. And, and that's the way the lineup is from now on. But they also don't want to pretend that this isn't happening. So I, I think that's, you know, that is the right approach. And that's what they have to do. And and the COVID stuff is a factor. It's not an excuse that that Ross or Hoyer or any of them are making. But how could it not be, right? Like you see four guys go on the COVID IL this week, you see Kyle Hendricks scratched and he wasn't even placed on the COVID IL, but you know, about an hour, hour and a half before the game, he's not able to to take his start and Alec Mills has to start on short notice. So these things, they do have a factor. They, they do affect, you know, everything else. And, And I think they do add into the overall stress level of this team. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it is such a difficult spot that they're in. Um, but, but one bright spot that we've seen so far has been Chris Bryant. I, I think he's, you know, he looked a lot more like the MVP form and he he's healthy. I think that's a huge factor in this so far, but he's played 23 less games than he did last year. And he's already reached, you know, almost reached the same totals he had last year in terms of doubles and homers and, um, and RBI. And like, he's almost already, 
reached, you know, what he did last year in 34 games this year in 11. And, and I think, as you mentioned too, like the hard hit rate is up, you know, his strikeout rate is down a little bit. Uh, the exit velocity is right there. Like there are a lot of encouraging signs from Brian and we've seen that play out because for a few games so far this year, he's been like a one man wrecking crew in this offense. Yeah. I mean, he has been, he's been crushing it. And to your credit, I mean, there's, there's a few guys that in, in each department of Statcast, they're, you know, they're above the the, the normal uh, or the league average, which makes you think, you know, though the numbers will even out, but Chris Bryant in almost every category is above league league average uh, or uh, excuse me, uh, barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, exit velocity, all up. Like you mentioned, launch angles at an average of 18.3 degrees, which means, you know, he's getting it up. He's putting the ball in play uh, to where, you know, he's going to get an extra base hit. He's going to put, you know, he's either, either going to put it over the fence or he's going to put it, you know, as a double. I mean, it's the, the huge thing is health. Um, he mentioned in spring, he mentioned in spring training where it's like, he, he still knows what he can do. Like uh, people were like, Oh, you know, like, a down season or anything. He's like in, in 20, in 2019, he still had like an 800 OPS, something like that. Like he knows what he can do. And he's, he's out to show like, Hey, I can still do this. And, and he's proving it right. He's, he's having a great season for, for the Cubs. And, you know, he's, he's really carrying the offensive load right now. And, and, you know, if the other, once the other guys start, you know, picking it up with him, that's kind of what you expect out of the Cubs uh, offense for sure. Yeah. One big point, like you mentioned, you know, health and stuff with, with Bryant he's attacking the fastball in a much better fashion than he was last year. And I think the wrist and finger issues that he dealt with were, were a huge part of the equation, but last year he hit 238 slugged 413 off fastballs this year. So far, again, two weeks in small sample size, all those caveats, he's hitting 318 with an 818 slugging percentage off of fastballs. So I, I think that tells everything about where Brian is about how he's feeling at the plate. And it allows him when you're able to jump on the fastball and you're not following it back or you're not swinging through it when it's in the zone. I, I think that's where you get back to the Chris Bryant that, that we know the guy that we've seen before, you know, the injuries have, have kind of hampered him and, um, you know, Wilson Contreras, too, is another guy that he's had some some big moments, that big hit, huge monster home run off of Brent Suter to, to give the Cubs a win in, in Milwaukee uh, was one of them. But I, I think, too, with him, it, it's the passion and the energy that he's brought uh, in, in this little rivalry. Well, I guess it's not a little one. It's a pretty big rivalry <laughs> right now between the Cubs and the Brewers, and especially with the fact that Contreras has now been hit seven times in the last two seasons by Milwaukee pitchers. And, you know, this time he didn't go out and he didn't get fined again. He didn't charge the mound when he got hit. He decided to hit him where it hurts on the scoreboard with a long homer. And he got the revenge the right way. And it was, I mean, it was obviously a really cool image. Like he was running around the bases, kind of shushing the Milwaukee crowd. Um, but just, you know, in general, what, what have you thought? What, it, you know, what, what was your takeaway from this, this Wilson Contreras and like, the spark behind the catalyst really behind this Cubs Brewers rivalry and how it's kind of taken to the next step now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's been at the center of it. We saw it at Wrigley, you know, when he was hit by Devin Williams and, and then he was hit the, the following day and Narvaez is kind of, you know, calming him down as he walks to first, we've seen that, that spark and that, you know, that those flares rise to pair of whether or not that was intentional um, to Brandon Woodruff when he was, when he was at the play, we're seeing the sparks of something and, and they're going to see each other, you know, very soon. And they're going to see each other throughout the season. Um, there, there's definitely the, 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 the flares for rivalry here. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, he hit him where it hurts that, that home run. I mean, that was a game. Like you look at everything that happened. Kyle Hendricks is scratched 30 minutes before first pitch. Alec Mills has to come in, you know, on the spot and, and pitch for, for the Cubs. 
they're facing the the Brewers ace and Brandon Woodruff. They're losing two to nothing, and then they come back and, and win. Like that's like you know, if the Cubs, you know, make the playoffs and it's by a game or two, like that's one of the ones you're gonna go back and circle and say, that's the one that got us in because you know, all things considered, you, you, that was a tough game to, to say that the Cubs could win just given the circumstances and to, to get a home run like that, a spark like that, that's a huge, huge plus for the Cubs. Yeah. I think Jim Deshay said it best on the broadcast was it, you kind of feel like you stole one if you're the Cubs from that. Mm-hmm. Not that, um, not that, you know, they didn't feel like they could win, but yeah, like you mentioned it when, when your ace isn't able to play and you're dealing with all these COVID concerns and, uh, you're just, you know, trying to scratch across runs, however possible it's huge to have a three, two, uh, three, two victory like that. And the bullpen to come in and shut everything down. And, you know, the, the Cubs also made it some roster moves before Wednesday's finale in Milwaukee. Uh, they activated Austin Romine off the injured list. Um, and, and one of the, you know, they brought Shelby Miller up. He had difficult first outing against the Brewers, but really I think kind of the highlight of those moves was sending Edward Elzelay back down to the alternate site. Now they are going to have him throw on, on regular in his regular turn in the rotation on Sunday, just with South Bend in the alternate site. That'll keep him on schedule to potentially rejoin the team late next week in the offstand if everything goes according to plan. And, and that's just kind of how things are right now, right? With two off days and a five-day span, they don't really need a fifth starter. Hendricks getting pushed back. The Cubs are hoping he can start against the Braves sometime this weekend at Wrigley. But just in general, Andy, what, what did you think about Elzelay's start Monday against the Brewers and how important that was for his development this season and kind of big picture even beyond this year? Yeah, that start Monday against uh, against the Brewers was was fantastic. You know, obviously, you know, it, it ended it ended on a little bit of a sour note, but overall, you know, against a tough um, Brewers lineup, who the you know the first time Craig Council he stacked up that lineup against Edward Alzelay, knowing that if there's if there's a weakness in Edward Alzelay, it's, it's facing lefties, and I think it was five five or six lefties that he stacked up that first game against Edward Alzelay. This time he went in, he attacked the the Brewers hitters, and and he he was getting outs, he was dealing. What I thought was was the even cooler takeaway, and something that you know, maybe not this year or next year that we're going to see in the next few uh, years is, is, is that leadership role that, that Edward Alzheimer is going to take in the future. We're seeing him being mentored by Jake Arrieta, but, at, but in that Monday game against the the Brewers, the, the coolest thing I saw was him uh, like cheering up and, and, and giving a going crazy for Justin Steele on his major league debut. Like I thought that was so cool, regardless of the score, whether the Cubs in that, like in that situation, they were losing, whether they were winning, like, whatever it was that was really really a classy move by by Edward Alzali obviously they have history together they came up basically through every rung in the in the minor leagues together uh now he's at his MLB debut there's some history there but it was super cool just to see that from Edward Alzali I think that's something that's going to bode well for him in the future just as a, as a potential future leader on this Cubs roster yeah I'm with you I think one of the biggest things with Alzali his development in general, adding the slider certainly helps, you know, that two seam fastball to get a little bit of break the other way as well. But I, I think it's, it's the mental development too. And that's something, that's the main thing that he has been talking to Jake Arietta about, you know, trying to, to make sure that his routine is there, that he's acting and thinking and approaching every day, like a major leaguer. And, and I think you're right. Like that was another very big point and moment for him is okay. The game didn't go how he wanted to wanted it to go but he acknowledged that he felt really anxious by being out there in the sixth inning. It was the first time since, you know, mid 2019 that he had been out there. And that was in the minor leagues, by the way, that he was even out there in the sixth inning as a starting pitcher. So this was the longest start of his big league career. And, um, you know, I think he, he 
took a lot of lessons and was able to look at the big picture. And you're right to, to be able to look at his teammate and his good friend, Justin Steele, and to, to understand what the moment that meant from, for Steele, for the, for the family, for the Cubs organization, you know, Steele has had Tommy John surgery. I think it was 2017. You know, he's had some injuries along the way, but he's another guy who, you know, his, his development is, is really huge. And, these two promising pitchers with other guys, Braylon Marquez coming through the pipeline and, you know, Tyson Miller, some of these other guys that we may see later in the year for the Cubs. But these are two really important guys, regardless of how the season plays out, regardless of how the offense goes or if the team is able to, you know, contend once again for, for a second straight division title, how Alzali, how Steele, how these guys develop is going to be a huge storyline and, and watching point for this team because they need this pitching moving forward. There's a lot of guys that are not under contract for next year or beyond. There's there's a lot of guys that either way, the Cubs, they need the homegrown pitching. It's something that they haven't really been able to do as an organization, but they're getting there and these guys are coming. And Steele said he, he feels like there's actually a lot of arms and it's underrated as a group coming up through the system. But, you know, himself, he's a guy who can provide the Cubs length. He can throw in the mid nineties from the left side. And then he has a slider as well. It really has a five pitch mix. So, uh, you know, just also like the, the two instances that he came in, both tough, dirty innings that he came into and, and I think showed and really impressed the Cubs with his stuff, with his mental makeup out there. But, you know, is that kind of what you saw from Steele too? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, especially the, the, the game Wednesday, bases loaded, no outs come in in that situation. Um, you know, you're, you're hoping, you know, whatever he can do, as long as he can, you know, not give up a grand slam, it's a positive. And he, he per performed well, performed well Monday. Um, you know, if you're going to come into the big leagues, uh, and you're going to face something tough, you, you know, you may as well face the toughest possibility you can have. Right. Um, that's because, you know, everything after that's just going to get a little bit easier. You know, if he comes into a clean inning, that's a lot easier than a bases loaded, uh, no out situation. He's, he's really impressive. Like you mentioned, like there's going to be, there's going to be more days where, Hey, there's going to be guys that need a spot start. There's going to be double headers, whether it's because of another team having a COVID outbreak or, or whatever, or, or rain delays, like there's going to be instances where, Hey, you know, there's going to be double headers. So we're going to need, you know, Kyle Hendricks to start game one, hypothetically speaking, and we're going to need maybe Justin Steele to step up in game two. Like there's just going to be so many pitching opportunities, so many innings to be eaten by so many pitchers. Like it has to be, it, it has to be, it's crucial that these guys develop and, and show that they can pitch at the big league level, like Justin Steele did uh, on Monday and on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see how the pitching shakes out for this weekend coming out of the off day as well as we'll see if Kyle Hendricks can slot into one of those spots. But the Cubs have a nice long homestand coming up as they host the Braves, the Mets, the Brewers at Wrigley Field for nine games. That's right, the Brewers again. The Cubs and Brewers are facing each other for the third time this month. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast brought to you by Wintrust. Don't forget you can download and subscribe to the pod on Apple or on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. That'll do it for Andy Martinez and I signing off this week. Thanks for listening.